0: Welcome to the Non Standard 14er Podcast, the podcast that brings you everything the route description leaves out.
1: I'm Short Rope Stifler.
0: And I'm Jacer Jack. And this is the
1: Non Standard 14er Podcast. Today we're going to have our first episode describing our experience on one of the most iconic mountains in Colorado, Maroon Peak. Maroon Peak. So, again, we wanted to start a 14er podcast to kind of talk about our experiences, our unique ways of camping, our unique ways of climbing. Our tips, our local haunts, local bars, local ways of doing the 14ers that you don't really get in the root description.
0: We wanted to de- dedicate this first episode to our buddy Patrick, who just finished his fifty uh, eighth fourteener on Maroon Peak. It was also one of the highlights of our summer too. So, figured to be a good one to start with. We're new to the whole podcast thing. We're nothing special. We're a couple guys from Denver that just love climbing fourteeners. We got a passion for it. If you're listening, hopefully you do too. Uh, bear with us as we work out some of the kinks of doing a podcast, and hopefully we'll get a little better. As we uh, move along, and we'll all learn a little bit together. And
1: if you're listening to this, you're a 14er advocate or enthusiast uh, on that 58-step program, as they say. You're driving late at night on 285. You're driving at 3 a.m. on I-70, heading down 25, getting trailheads early to avoid the uh, summer thunderstorms. And we thought we'd provide you with some entertainment, maybe some discussion, maybe some trivia about the fourteeners. And so it was half we wanted to do this podcast to give other people beta, but it was the other half was to entertain ourselves and to kind of relive and kind of enjoy the nostalgia of talking about the experiences and the great experiences we've had climbing
0: these great peaks. And hey, one more thing before we dive into... Um, we're not uh, we're not lawyers, but obviously we got to make everybody aware and remind everybody that when you're in the mountains, you make your own decisions. Everything that we talk about is just our own experience. We're not responsible for any silly mistakes you might make. Uh, hopefully, you learn from our mistakes. Um, but uh, remember, be safe out there, be smart, and uh, enjoy today's episode.
1: So let's dive right in with the obvious question here: How would you rank the difficulty of
0: Maroon Peak, Jason Jack? I think. Subjectively, it wasn't bad because I think, like we were talking about earlier, before we started recording, we had a great day, great weather. We stayed on route the whole time. No wind? No wind. We were climbing with a group that was experienced. It was at the end of the season for us, so we were fit. So the subjective difficulty was relatively low, minus the uh, 2,800 feet of suck. I would say the objective difficulty of... Um, being beneath those people that were kicking rocks on us and which is a conversation for a different day maybe but, um, and just how loose and nasty is that, that everything they talk about the elk range being just rotten and falling apart and the rock is down sloping the wrong direction and you reach up and grab a refrigerator size handhold and the whole thing shifts like objectively very dangerous subjectively I didn't feel like any of the exposure was um really much more than you know, the standard route on Mount Lindsay or any of those. I um... Describe the downward sloping rock, because I don't think you understood what that meant until you actually were on that red rock climbing Maroon Peak. It's, you know, and uh, Roach describes um, that east face of Missouri as broken dinner plates sitting on top of marbles, and I think that analogy comes into play a little bit on Maroon Peak too, where you're you're climbing up the gully and it's just like... Just like you're standing on a treadmill, like everything just kind of starts moving and then you think you're on solid rock and, um, normally when you're climbing on that nice conglomerate rock in the Sangre de Cristos, you can reach up and have a nice jug handhold, but your jug handhold on Maroon Peak moves on you. And it's all facing the wrong way, so it's not like the jug comes perpendicular to the slope, it's all kind of facing down and just falling apart, which, kind of nasty, but nothing overly exposed and, I don't know. What would you think?
1: Have you ever read the sign there that warns about the difficulty of the elk range there right at Maroon Lake?
0: The one that got stolen or the one that... Yeah, yeah, yes, the
1: one that got stolen. (laughs) Unfortunately, last year it got stolen, I think. It was a a tradition that uh, another one of our hosts uh, talk about. We never read the sign until we're safely down from those peaks. So you got Maroon, you got North Maroon, you got Pyramid from that trailhead from Maroon Lake Trailhead. Let me read you the... uh, the Deadly Bells, so you have a great iconic shot of Maroon and North Maroon, and says the beautiful Maroon Bells and their neighbor Pyramid Peak have claimed many lives in the past few years. They are not extreme technical climbs, but they are unbelievably deceptive. The rock is downward sloping, rotten, loose, and unstable. It kills quickly and without warning. The snowfields are treacherous, poorly consolidated, and no place for a novice climber. The gullies are death traps. Expert climbers who do not know the proper routes have died on these peaks. Don't repeat their mistakes, for only rarely have these mountains given a second chance.
0: And side note, too, if you're out there, don't be a jerk. If you've stolen this sign, bring it back. I get that it's a cool garage ornament, but I climbed room for the first time and was looking forward to reading the sign. It wasn't there, so bring it back. (laughs) Yeah. But so, so
1: they have... I would say Maroon is in the top ten difficulty. But difficulty, knowing that difficulty could be exposure, it could be root length, it could be elevation gain, it could be exertion. And so that's the discussion. How do you collectively define difficulty? Is it exertion? Is it exposure? Because Pyramid was a lot more exposed to me. I think Pyramid is a lot more difficult than Maroon and
0: North Maroon. Even though it's almost half the length.
1: Yeah, from the distance Mileage wise, wise I mean, yeah. it looks really short, but I mean, it's a long, long day. How would you compare the root finding on the two? I thought pyramid was harder. You kind of know there's a couple gullies that you have to find on maroon, but pyramid is like you're on that backside of the above about 13,000 feet. And the last 1,000 feet is that really hard root finding. It feels like there are smaller shoots and ladders than there is in maroon peak, where you have bigger gullies.
0: Yeah, Maroon felt just kind of like up, over, up, over, and it was really obvious when you got off, off route because your stuff was loose, stuff was kind of nasty. Even though the whole route was littered with cairns, I feel like you could decipher which ones were correct and which ones weren't. And I felt like, um, from what it sounds like, that's not the case on Pyramid.
1: 14ers.com puts Maroon at Class 3, a category which includes, let's see, Wetterhorn Peak, Longs Peak, Wilson Peak, Preston Peak, Preston Needle, and Snowmass. So you've done Longs, right? And you've done Wilson. Mm-hmm. So what do you, would you think? So
0: we had Wilson earlier around July 4th this this year.
1: Compare Maroon to Wilson.
0: That's a tough, that's an apples-oranges comparison for me because we did Wilson Peak the second day after we had done the, the, the Traverse on El Diente and Mount Wilson. And hiked all the way back around and went from Kilpacker to Navajo and then did Wilson Peak. So by that time, I mean, you and I were both totally torched, and we'll talk about that in, a, in another episode. But um, I think purely let's just talk about exposure comparing the two and, and objective difficulty. Um, I, I personally thought that um, the potential for rockfall hazard was a lot higher on Maroon, but the exposure was substantially more dramatic on Wilson Peak. You come up over that false summit... And both you and I kind of got a sense of vertigo. It's not uncommon to see people roped up on that. I've actually seen it fairly frequently on the 14ers.com Facebook page. And, you know, some folks even hire a guide. I've seen guide services for that Do one. did we so that up, though. We were in you right there. Yeah. What was the guide service charge? For the Mount Wilson L.D. Traverse. I think it was like 900 bucks or 1000 bucks For a day um, trip. Yeah, for a day trip. Kind of crazy. But to each their own, I guess. I mean, that that exposure is dramatic enough that it kind of warrants wanting to feel safe, and you come up over that false summit, and your stomach kind of drops. And I never had any of those moments on Rune Peak where um, there was really any pucker factor due to exposure. I saw some bowling ball-sized rocks come careening past us, which was a little bit more dangerous, I think, in in an objective standpoint. But um, I think uh, overall I was definitely more tired after finishing Wilson Peak just because of how we did it. But, uh, man, that sucked on... The 2,800 feet of suck on Maroon Peak, I think, was one of the worst grinds I've done on any 14er. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I describe to people that Maroon is not that exposed. It's more like if you're going to get hurt, you're going to get on some of these gullies that are just poorly consolidated, loose plates like you described. And you would just kind of surf down a couple hundred feet and get injured. But you wouldn't really fall off the mountain. You'd more like tumble or, or get hit by rock The weird fall. part
0: is it's these hanging scree fields over, over several different cliff bands. So I think what gets people into trouble is when they lose traction on these scree and talus fields and get out of control and then get sent off a cliff. Um, I don't think there's really much opportunity for you to just lose a foothold and go flying off the side of the mountain. I mean, you got to really be off-route to, to do that. But it happens, and it's these hanging scree fields over the cliffs that I think Get people.
1: but That speaks to knowing the route though. I mean, we always print out a, a colored copy of the root description. You also have uh, the root description on your phone, but you have to have service to get those photos on 14 or,
0: or the fourteener app. So they, they've uh, Bill Middlebrook has added a great feature where you can download them to your phone, use it without cell coverage. So what I do is just put my phone into airplane mode. Um, but, but prior to that, I've downloaded the GPS files as well as the the photos and then I carry an external battery too. So if I run out, that's my lifeline. I get a full charge and that actually came into play on Maroon where because it was Patrick's finisher, I was busy snapping the photos the whole time, following the route, phone died on the top, plugged it back in. So that, that really came into play there, but man, the phone's a great tool for this. And I love having the color photos. Because um, there were some instances where the black and white photos, you couldn't quite see where the arrow was pointing. So I'm a huge advocate of the of the uh, photo feature on the 14ers.com app. If you don't have it, definitely I recommend downloading it.
1: Let me rephrase the question then. Okay. Which peak would
0: you more likely
1: like to take your wife on? Wilson or Maroon? Huh, great question.
0: I'd say Wilson because she's an awesome climber, and uh, your awesome climbing skills on Maroon aren't going to keep you from getting hit by a rock. So I think technically Wilson is. Wilson Peak It's in your skill. It's in your, is, your ability. It's tougher, but it's more within your control because control. there's nothing rotten that's fallen on you necessarily. Every 14er has loose rocks, but I think um, if you can. If you know how to test your holds and follow a route, I think Wilson Peak is awesome super fun very safe i think there are too many moving pieces no pun intended on maroon peak um, to make it 100 percent safe for anybody so that's a great way to ask the question i would i'd bring my wife on uh wilson peak in fact i suggested it when we were in telluride a couple weeks ago but she was uh, perfectly happy with the southwest ridge of Sneffels, which was outstanding and we'll most definitely talk about that in a in a different episode because that's one of my favorite routes to date this podcast is about uh,
1: Maroon, so let's remind people, we're talking about the Elk Range, and we're talking about one of the most iconic mountains around
0: the Aspen area. Was it one of the most photographed uh, mountains in North America? They say it's one of the most photographed places in the world, and if you've ever walked into a dentist's office, you've probably seen a picture of the maroon bells hanging on a wall on a faded photo from fluorescent lighting. <laughs> it's
1: iconic, like, triangle, red triangle with cliff bands, oftentimes with a with lake and the aspens in the front the red snow and the cliff bands and in, in, on the on the peak there
0: you know and it's one of the ones that ever since i started hiking 14ers at eight years old or whatever it was i've wanted to do um and i've always been curious about it. it's one that i had to really mentally prepare for and i think a lot of people find themselves doing that and that's why we wanted to start with this mountain was because one it was our buddy patrick's finisher um, one of the highlights of this season for us but also you can research this one to death um and still not be quite mentally ready for it, so we wanted to bring some of that information out to people and just kind of our own personal beta on what we thought. Um, tell you a little bit about our trip, and we and and kind of let you take it from there because this was one that we definitely wanted some more firsthand information on. and Now that we've done it, we're going to bring that to you guys. But it's one you would never take a beginner. Like I would not think I wouldn't
1: take anyone on Maroon unless they had some class three climbing. You know, climb. Kelso Ridge to Tories, climb a Class 3 Wetterhorn, maybe do a Lindsay, maybe do a Castle Conundrum to get used to the Elk Range rock, but there's just like an innate ability to read rock and read whether you have three points of contact and whether you know if you fall here, you're going down, or whether you know this is time to
0: short rope in. Well, there might be some people that would disagree with this, but I think um, unless you're pretty uh, deliberate about staying on route on Maroon Peak, you can... Pretty easily get into some class four terrain, and I think we got into a bit of a hairy spot down climbing and had one uh, really low fifth class move on the down climb on that. Um, totally, you know, our fault. And if you're very careful and follow the route, you can keep it class three the entire way. But I think that's what distinguishes that from a castle conundrum where no matter how far up route you're going to get, you're going to keep it class three. So, no, it's definitely not a beginner Class 3. I think, in fact, if I don't know if you have it pulled up right now or not, but I think um, Bill Middlebrooks, 14ers.com, rates it as one of the most difficult Class 3 14ers. I'd put it right yeah, there. Yeah,
1: Middlebrook, Middlebrook has, uh, like, Lindsay has easy Class 3, and then has you jump up to Class 3 where you're in Wilson, Maroon, again, Crestone Needle, Crestone Peak. Again, I would not put Needle and Peak in the same categories as Wilson and, maroon myself i'd make it my own category i think the exposure on wilson and the loose rock on maroon weren't its own category above the needle because the needle do you again, think wilson thought, was more exposed than crestones the needle has a lot of exposure but it's like jungle gym rock it's like someone personally came in and welded awesome knobby handholds they called you know, you mentioned earlier the crestone conglomerate It's just so fun climbing that but I think you would be freaked out. You'd freak people out if they weren't used to exposure. It would not be a one you'd start them with.
0: Man, I know we're talking about maroon, but that coming up over the false summit on Wilson Peak, like, totally caught both of us off guard. Where you come up, it caught said, everybody off guard. You hey, saw every group that be hey, hey. behind us. Oh, yeah, pause there. and wait there for like ten minutes. Oh yeah, there were people crouched down there because it felt just too freaky to stand up. But, but you, you could. Gotta...
1: But if you took two, if you back, like, if you were taking a photo and backed up three feet behind you you could fall you could fall a thousand feet off
0: oh for sure yeah but that that goes back to the thing where that's 100 percent in your control like i would take that any day over the just loose shale that's falling apart the whole mountain and on maroon peaks crumbling around you which is so freaky the rotten elk range rock so what 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 were some things that we did to because we had a safe day on that mountain and i'm sure a lot of people out there are wondering okay Got the Class 3 skill. I'm ready to take this on. Um, what are some things that we did that other people can do as well, well we to, to mitigate that risk on that well, mountain? So we were with, I mean, I did, had done Maroon before. Sean had done it
1: two times before. And you're with Patrick, who had done every 14 or except one. Had 100 summits, be- you know, 300 prize summits between all four of us. Uh, we... We hiked in, and that's some of the beta you want to know about Maroon is that you can get in. Uh, it's paid uh, to get in up to the lake because it's a very popular tourist attraction. I think it's hard to even get there. You kind of have to park down near Aspen and take the shuttle to get up to Maroon Lake. But after 5 p.m., if you pay the overnight camping fee, you can get up and get to the parking lot. Although we talked to the, some people on that route that said they, sh- they showed up probably at 8 p.m. and their parking lot was full.
0: We, we were there at 6.15 maybe p.m. and the parking lot was full completely chock full already not from the current day but preparing for the next day So we were late to the party at 6 15.
1: we hiked in so we'd hiked in probably about three miles to those campsites there there's some dedicated forest service campsites i think it's 11
0: or 12 yeah something like that
1: that puts you about a mile below the turnoff to what was kind of uh, negatively called the 2800 of suck and so
0: negatively and accurately referred to as the <laughs> 2,800 feet or
1: so. So you hike in through there. You hike into the iconic uh, Maroon Lake, up through the trees there, through the aspens, around Moose, if you're lucky. You hike past Crater Lake, which is second lake there below North Maroon, and into those designated camping spots. And that's where we spent uh, our night. We could not, no fire there.
0: Yeah, and the ranger, when we pulled in too, new, new ranger, young guy, super nice uh, we told him it was our buddy's 14 or finisher, and we were just looking to have a good time. Nice laid-back And He said, oh, perfect. The fire ban has been lifted. You guys are in for a, a fun trip. We just lifted the fire ban this morning. And we get in there, and we walk up to the campsite. It's just stoked to have a campfire, and there's permanently fixed, no campfire signs everywhere. Like, we would have been total, total but that was the, that to that was have the a campfire. Spots right. If you would have um, hiked up further. Further, yeah, but we didn't see much dispersed camping between there and the the turnoff for Maroon Peak. So a lot of people take a crack at this in one day or you got to get there nice and early and be one of 12 to get a campsite at Crater Lake. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, one of 12, but then you're also on the cycle of the four-pass loop. So you have a lot of, and a busy day. I mean, we were after Labor Day weekend.
0: And, you know, we we did that in two days because we wanted to have a camping trip because we had a buddy that was finishing and we wanted to, smoke cigars and drink whiskey and tell stories with them. But I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to do that all in one day. I don't know that we save that much.
1: Yeah, None of those three peaks there. Like, I don't think you can actually camp and save time on Pyramid. No.
0: It's an experience thing to camp.
1: Yeah. Because you'd be backtracking,
0: too, to do Pyramid. We did that. Yeah.
1: So a couple years ago, we did Maroon the one day. We camped right off the turnoff of the 2800 suck. And Patrick came up and met us, and we camped there. But then we backtracked at least a mile to get to the turn off to go up uh, Pyramid standard route.
0: So so the moral of the story is you're really camping just for the experience up there. It's not a necessary thing.
1: No, it saves I mean, yeah, it's fun to sit around a tent, get up early at 4 o'clock, make some oatmeal.
0: And... But you know what I mean? Like Some like Holy Cross where you're a lunatic if you try and do it in one day. Well, it's, like, it's it okay. makes the most sense to camp along the I don't know that you need to camp along the way. More. But
1: compare Holy Cross's day. You could holy A day in Holy Cross would be a lot harder than a day
0: doing Maroon. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Parking lot to parking lot on Maroon's a lot less distance and effort than parking lot to parking lot on Holy Cross.
1: And what's interesting is you hike in. So you, you basically hike past Mar- Maroon Lake, hike past Crater Lake. It's all class one climbing. On the way down, you see a ton of tourists there. They day, day hiking. And then the, the turnoff there is right by a boulder field. So you turn right and you start heading up the 2800 to suck. And that is a good just. It sucks. Mark it down. It's a good two and a half hours if of you're hauling along.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and then, we, we were with Patrick, who's like a triathlete, super fit guy, um, and even he broke the poles out. and He was sucking wind. We were all we were all sucking wind on that. Things but, sucked.
1: <laughs> but Pat never uses trekking poles. Right. And that was one that he said that. Trekking poles are, are, are a huge, huge advantage on that 2800. So like, it's just so steep and so loose. Not loose like the class three climbing, loose like dirt, like yeah. small pebbles and dirt that move under your feet. And so they're easy to, easy to, easy to slide. It's a grassy
0: hill with like, a, did you notice the trail kind of splits and it's like becomes like a spiderweb network of trail where there's no real distinguished trail, you can kind of get off trail. And then we found ourselves in that gully kind of underneath that group. And it's deceiving because it's grassy and it's dirt, but it's steep enough that 2,000 feet above you, someone who kicks a rock down is going to come 100 miles an hour past your head, which is what happened to us. So I'm not on two, class 2 stuff with grass on it, used to putting my helmet on. We put our helmets on like half hour into that 2,800 feet of suck. To, to avoid that because we saw that massive rock come careening past us um so that's something to keep a heads up on too i think don't you agree on that but what is the uh, etiquette there <laughs> you move a rock you should be yelling rock like uh, you're on four on a golf course <laughs> friendly reminder yeah the group up ahead of us was gung-ho and uh all stoked and had a good pace going and they're a little too good of a pace because they weren't watching where they placed their feet and they kicked. I'm not exaggerating. A couple bowling ball sized rocks down on us. And after one of a – I I mean, a serious deal, one of them almost hit us. Um, the girl turns around and goes, <laughs> Sorry. We're like, Okay, you couldn't pay me to hike behind you. So we started. And we hustled that. We did hustle. For the rest of the time. <laughs> Man, that was, yeah. I think they knew it too. I made a purpose point to kind of say that as we passed them. But that's not that's something that's not intuitive though. When I
1: started climbing, I did not know the etiquette, and in my first time climbing class three and moving rocks, I had to pick that up. I would it's not intuitive that you yell rock.
0: But as an intelligent person with a master's degree in common sense, don't you think you'd know to at least yell like heads up or look out when you kick a rock down on somebody? But yes, technical term is rock <laughs> that's,
1: that's jaser jack's uh definition of the day and that is r-o-c-k rock when you kick a rock down on something that
0: is uh, english for look out.
1: but even if no one's below you if you move a rock that's starting a, a big slide it's gonna go a thousand feet
0: yell rock yeah multiple times too yeah and you'll 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 yell it on that mountain too you know, I think we all at one point kicked a rock loose, whether it was for five feet or a big one. You just That happens. That mountain's rotten.
1: So we hike in about three miles to the camping. You hike about another mile to the turn off to the 2800 or suck, and that's just plodding up really steep. And then you get to about the notch on the south slope there at 13, about 13.2. That's really where they're climbing a the maroon. So when you're looking at maroon, that iconic shot from the lake, you're not really seeing any part of the route you're basically hiking in past the left side of the iconic Maroon Bells and climbing the back side of Maroon.
0: Which is the difference between those two peaks that I didn't know or couldn't really picture until I had climbed Maroon was North Maroon goes straight up it, right through the middle of that picture. And South Maroon, while less technical and less exposed, is like, what, almost twice the length because you have to wrap all the way around and kind of spiral up the mountain, come up the backside which is sweet, though, because you get a nice view of the four-pass loop and Maroon Pass. and
1: Oh, it's one of the most pretty places in Colorado. The, the colors, because as soon as you get to that 13,000-foot, 13.2 ridge, you turn around and you can start seeing snowmass. Yeah. You can start seeing Capitol Peak. So you have amazing, the, the contrast of colors from Capitol, the, the gray stone of Capitol and Mar- uh, maroon really really pretty then you have like the very verdant green of frobert basin below you it's hard to
0: man i've i've born and raised here i've seen so many pretty pretty things but i think that was the one that just really took my breath away like i've never seen anything like that just all the colors and not to sound cheesy but you got the red rock on one side and you got the aspens changing when we went and then you've got the just gray of castle or of Capitol peak and and you see that knife edge ridge that's iconic you can see the entire elk range from up there and then when we were up there it kind of sunk in I don't know if it did for you but it definitely did for me that like we are literally standing inside of one of the most photographed places in the world like that's when it hit me that you you have the privilege to pass through this mountain that's been there for for millennia and people have taken so many pictures of that but you're standing on that mountain and like that's where it kind of hit me was at that notch too and all that all that view is hit me, and then I'm like, look over to the lake, and I'm like, holy cow! Think of all the tourists down there taking pictures of where we're standing right now. And I think that's what some of the people that we were
1: with actually took advantage of. I think uh, there were two females actually that said they were photo bombing the tourists down at uh, Maroon Lake. Oh, do
0: it for the gram! Do it
1: for the gram! <laughs> do it for is the <laughs> Yeah.
0: These people, they were great, but they hiked up beers to the summit to take a pretend shotgunning picture. They didn't actually punch holes in their beer or drink them for that matter. But uh, those of us that were celebrating our buddy's final summit, we got some free beers. And they packed them. They're like, hey, can you take a picture of us with these beers? We're not really going to drink them. You can have them afterward. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And then Patrick thought we brought the beer up for him. I, think I Hey, Patrick, I, you I got you something. It. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. That was great. And and she said, and I quote, dead serious, do it for the gram." <laughs> <laughs>
1: but that speaks to the, well, maybe another discussion for another podcast is the the danger factor that people overlook now that it's on Facebook, it's on Instagram, people are doing it. There's this idea that you're not in a dangerous place and you if you have a phone with you and you're Instagramming people, that you're not remote. Yeah. And it's causing, well, last year caused some serious, some problems and some dangerous peaks. For sure.
0: So back to the notch. We're taking these people on our journey up Maroon Peak. At the notch, we, we stashed our poles, and then uh, what was the climbing like from there? Because it made a pretty dramatic shift right at that notch. Right. So you're at class
1: one for four miles in, and then you're just steep, steep, steep class... I guess that's class two, probably scrambling up the 2800 suck.
0: Loose class two. It's it's not uh, beer stack class two.
1: But the, I mean, the, again, the views are just very rewarding. So it's, if you want to push and have a nice time... Take a 15-minute break to catch your breath, eat some food, get some water in you. Do it at the notch there at 13-2. Look at look great views of Pyramid, look at great views of Snowmass, Capital, Frovert Basin over at Maroon Maroon Pass looking toward uh, the Crested Butte area. And then it's kind of like strap in, focus mentally. Make sure your route description is out and you're, you're tracking every 10-15 minutes the next photo in, in Middlebrook's 14 uh, uh route route description.
0: What I enjoyed about it, too, is that it was a uh, – and we're look, guys, we're not here to tell you about the route description. You There's so many places you can you can go and find that information on your own. We're giving you our own personal beta. But one, one thing that I loved was kind of the layout of the route where you go up a goalie, across a rib, up a goalie, across a rib, and you kind of just spiral up the back half of this mountain – um and shoots, the, and ladders, shoots and ladders shoots and ladders you're on the backside of it so we actually weren't in the sun very long because
1: we we're in the shadow of the peak most of the day
0: yeah that's true yeah and that last part it, it took us a little while but that's when the fun kicks in and you you really just kind of think about the move that's in front of you and i honestly like i i okay take this with a grain of salt and everybody you're responsible for yourself in the mountain make your own decisions but my personal take on this mountain was that I thought it was overhyped. I thought that was some of the more fun climbing that I've ever done. I've heard my whole childhood, don't do maroon peak, people die on it, and this and that, and I'm sure people do, but you, I found myself just focusing on what's in front of me, being diligent about where I place my feet, testing my holds, and just looking up every once in a while and enjoying the view, and I thought it was one of my favorite routes I've ever done. And in terms of exposure, not a ton. Compared to the other class three routes, right? I mean, more than more than the class two routes, but man, that last third of the of the route was super fun.
1: And that's not to say underestimate it. And that's what I think Instagram, Facebook photos are telling people.
0: Right. We were on route the whole time. We had no wind. Had no weather issues. Helmets. And and the other thing too is if there's people ahead of you or below you, it's a smart idea to go through these goalies one at a time. So once we pass the do it for the grand people. Um, we'd go up a gully, and they were smart enough to wait, you know, kind of on the rock rib, and then we there'd be somebody up ahead of us that we would let go through. You don't want to be caught in these gullies with other people.
1: How many Class 4 moves do we really do? Two? Three? Yeah, a
0: couple. Technically, you can keep the entire thing at Class 3. But I would say we, we spiced it up a little bit. We found a couple of Class 4 moves. And then down climbing, that one that I think you and Sean went around it Patrick and I decided to go straight over it. I think it was a you know low fifth class down climb, but there's a lot of that on that mountain, which I think is where people get caught because it's a class three that's not very exposed and people here, um, you know, kind of like what I just said, where it's a fun climb, it's overhyped, and they get on it. You you know, as overhyped as it may be, you can get in a lot of trouble very fast. On that so mountain. if
1: you're telling people they're just starting fourteen or climbing what? How many 14ers to get under their belt before you say do
0: maroon? I would say get at least two or three class three 14ers. Make sure you're comfortable with your moves. Um, Do some climbing, you know, in the gym to get yourself a little more used to using your hands as opposed to your feet. Um, And then do do castle and or conundrum. Get used to the, the elk range rock. And then, you know, apart from that, just prepare yourself mentally, study the route and go you know ideally go with somebody who's done it before somebody who's more experienced than you um you don't need to wait until it's your 58th 14er um certainly a pretty one to finish on but i'd say if you've done a few class three 14ers i mean just be really careful and i think you got it that's the benefit of being uh, finishing
1: on maroon you're finishing on an iconic mountain but then you are also very very close to aspen so we took advantage of that we uh I would say what tide went on <laughs> at the Aspen Brewing. We sat outside, and uh, kudos to Aspen, Aspen Brewing—they did not have a burger on their menu, but they uh, because it was past We wanted burgers, damn they, it! <laughs> they cooked us all burgers, and they fried up uh, eggs on every burger for us.
0: They were so awesome. We had uh, gotten back, and we were going to go straight to the brewery, but then um, kudos to Chris for hooking it up at the at the uh, where where do we stay? was the uh jet uh regis, regis. thank you uh, yeah the secretary. regis yeah the secretary taylor <laughs> chiming in um yeah so we want to go check out the hotel room we're like sitting around and um didn't end up getting to dinner till like <clears throat> nine o'clock and the aspen brewing was about to close and we had told him we had just you know patrick had finished his last 14 and we climbed maroon and Um, They had had a burger special the next day, lined up for the next day, and they had gotten all their beef in for the day. It's not standard on their menu. We told them, uh, we're really craving burgers. Where's the best place to go for a burger? She recommended two or three places, and then she's like, let me check with my chef and see if I can whip some burgers up for you. So 20 minutes later, these fat, like two-third-pound burgers came out. She put fried eggs on them, and that was the only thing we ate all day, and it was good. it (laughs) It was good.
1: And the hot tub was open all night long, and we uh, played Marco Polo in probably one of the more expensive hotels uh, in Colorado. So <laughs> <It was laughs>
0: awesome. So highly recommended if you do Maroon Peak to uh, find some buddies to play Marco Polo with, whether it's at the Regis or <laughs> or elsewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was one of the reasons why we started started the 14-year podcast, the non-standard podcast because we want to talk about some other things besides the route description. We want to talk about camping. We want to talk about how we did the routes. We want to talk about the local bars, local drinks, local haunts, if you will, uh, fun ways to drive to the 14ers that are just maybe just not as standard as you'd get from a standard guidebook. And look, guys, we're not
0: we're not experts. We're just a couple of guys from Denver that are uh, in love with climbing 14ers and um, started this as a way to kill time. So if you've listened this far, we really appreciate you. And uh, we're going to continue to hone this and get a little bit better. But the the idea is to every episode bring you a different mountain, tell you a little bit about our experience. Hopefully, our podcast skills get a little bit better with every episode, and uh, tell you some fun stories where we ate. Like Chris said, um, all the little hidden gems along the way. But there's so many good resources online, fourteeners uh, dot com, and you know, and also Bill uh, or uh, Jerry Roach's book, fourteeners. Um, so. You know where to find the roots. We're trying to bring you everything else and uh, have a little fun while we're at it. So Awesome.
1: Awesome summary there, Jacer Jack. So we talked about our first broadcast here, Maroon Peak, uh, in the Snowmass Wilderness in the Elk Range near Aspen. I'm going to close here asking Jacer to tell me three words. If I give you three words to describe the route and the experience on Maroon Peak, what three words would you use? Loose, long, Gorgeous. Loose, long, and gorgeous.
0: I'll flip that one back on you. <laughs> Steph, what do you got? Ah. Just how I like my women. Loose, long, and gorgeous.
1: <laughs> uh, we can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Let's see. <laughs> well, it's... Down, Is downward sloping one word?
0: It's, if it's, hyphenated, it's hyphenate, hyphenate. Okay,
1: hyphenate downward sloping. Uh,
0: if you hyphenate, if you're going up, it's upward sloping.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hyphenate root need for root, root description. This is not Gray's Peak. This is not. I'm gonna just follow the trail all the way to the summit. This is a serious serious climb, like the the sign that was stolen suggests to climbers. And it just one. It's hard to say. It's not the most beautiful place in Colorado. On that ridge there, looking over Frobert Basin. We got a buddy that says, uh, "What was the po- what's the poem he always uses? Uh, when in Kyoto, when I hear the sound of the cockatoo, I long for Kyoto." And he often quotes that poem when we're in Maroon because it's just so iconic and so beautiful that it's like
0: pictures de- definitely do not do that that peak in that area of, the, of Colorado justice. No, and it's almost like a tearjerker when you're on the top. You know, not to get soft on everybody, but it's there's a sentimental feeling. I think if you've climbed Maroon, you know what I'm talking about. Where you stand up there and you're like, "This is the most iconic place in our state, if not one of the most in the whole country." And I'm standing on top of it right now. And well, that's awesome. Every dentist office you go
1: to, and you can say like, "Hey, I right. point to the calendar
0: there on the wall." You know, and they they say that uh, I'm a I'm a firm believer in this. You never conquer mountains. Mountains simply let you pass through. And I think that holds true with Maroon Peak, especially because nobody's ever conquered Maroon. Maroons killed people. And that day, all four of us were lucky enough and blessed enough to pass through. And, uh, man, what a journey. It was spectacular. Well, that might be fitting to end the podcast with a quote from Edmund Hillary,
1: Hillary then, right? He says, uh, it's not the mountains you conquer, but ourselves. Amen to that. And so we'll say uh, that's our first uh, attempt at our uh, first 14-year podcast, uh, Maroon Peak. We'll have a shout-out to Patrick for his finisher. And I hope to see you in the future.
0: Thanks, everybody.